0: To Prepare to Care, the AARP podcast with resources and tools to support the millions of family caregivers who provide unpaid care to their loved ones. I'm Marie Pierre, your host for this podcast. If you are a family caregiver, you know there are many challenges to face. Behind each caregiver is a story, a piece of advice, a pearl of wisdom, of some tidbits that can connect and carry us through those very hard days. Here at ARP, we know that sharing experiences and stories can help caregivers like you feel less alone and isolated. Those stories give us the motivation we need to do what we need to do daily. So today's guest is very special uh, because I met him, what, like a week <laughs> ago? Uh, we start a conversation, and I'm delighted to meet um, to introduce you to Eddie Orm, uh, who has been caring for his aunt for so many years. And so Edie is a guy, right? So we, we've had a lot of female caregivers. So here we have a guy story today. He's here to share his experience in hopes that he can help others who may be going through the same thing. Coming up on Prepare to Care. Edie, welcome to the podcast. Thank
1: you. Thank you. So,
0: uh, you and I met just, what, like last week, I think? (laughs) And we struck up a conversation. I told you that I was the host for this podcast. And you shared with me that you're a caregiver for your aunt. Correct. So, tell us a little bit about who she is and how did you become a caregiver for her?
1: Well, it's very interesting, Marie. I was actually uh, brought up with my aunt. My aunt was one of my mentors. Uh, from early childhood. I spent summers and uh, holidays many times on the beach with my aunt. Uh, I was the big brother for her three children, and when she began experiencing some, some issues and some signs of loss of memory, my first thought was, you know, is this just old age? And then I began to talk with some people in her surrounding community. Uh, her church and so forth, who actually sought me out, because they knew my relationship with her. And for about four years, I've been looking after her. For about the past year and a half, she's actually been living with me.
0: Okay. So tell us a little bit, like those early signs. You know, sometimes this time when we think, is this it? Is this not it? What did it look like for her?
1: Initially, it just looked like maybe someone is getting older, and, and it's just a very normal kind of thing. She began repeating herself. It was not until I began to hear from one of her children that they were concerned. And I didn't know if this was, are you telling me something that's real? Actually, I asked the question, should I be concerned? And the answer was, yes. And I said, give me some examples. And the example that I remember was, uh, she might begin cooking and leave the uh, boiler on on the oven and forget about it. Okay. Um, then I began to see and visit her more just to get my own assessment, and then I actually encouraged um, medical assessment, so we had some medical background to So see.
0: you had shared with me before this uh, this podcast that she, she's a tough cookie, and she's smart.
1: Very tough, uh, very intelligent. She was someone who was uh, skipped in the first grade to the third grade.
0: Oh, wow, okay. Okay. Um,
1: she was the wife of a psychiatrist here in Houston. Okay. Managed his office, had lots of skills with helping everybody else. But what was really interesting, she also had a lot of skills in hiding uh, her issues.
0: So, do you think she sort of knew what was going on? Or like, she forgets something, then she realizes she forgot, and she was like... Oh, what kind of game did she play?
1: First of all, yes. Uh, it's interesting when she actually gets in a mode where she knows her memories are leaving. And if we're by ourselves there have been times, she would ask me, uh, do I have memory issues? And I would say yes. And she would ask me, is it obvious to other people? And I would say yes. Those were moments when you could be up front. Other moments are very hurting, creates frustration and depression. Mm-hmm. And those are moments that I just simply say, I'm here for you. And together we'll get through this. But at this point, she, when she knows, wants to know the date or the time, um, She'll ask me, but she'll always tell me it's because she used to read a newspaper. Got it. Uh, but three minutes later might be, again, the same question. Okay. Uh, and she has her habits of what she remembers and what she forgets and what her stories are.
0: So, science came up, and you, you're like, okay, let's do a medical assessment. Was that with her physician? How was it?
1: That was difficult because I wanted to do it here in Houston where I live and knew, didn't really know the people but could have control over it. She wanted to do it in her hometown, so we did it in her hometown. Oh, so
0: she was not in Houston at the time?
1: No. Got she it. was in a different city, and she was moved before the assessment could get done okay. because of family issues and, and so forth. So we never had a complete assessment. And I actually went through Adult Protective Services to get some help, to get some assessment done.
0: Well, so tell us more about that. Adult Protective Services is something that's come up here. Like, how could they help, or what? Like, why, why turn to them?
1: Um, I felt that she was in a situation that was not positive for her. Okay. Um, I felt like there was some neglect there. And I began, I guess, with a, a Adult Protective Services to try to find some assistance in getting her removed I see. from her setting.
0: So that's very difficult, right? In a yes. family situation very difficult. to take a stand and say, I think we need to, to act. How did you feel at the time?
1: It was a pretty sad situation. There were people who weren't talking with each other. Uh, Everybody needed to take a sign. I just believed that I had to take care of her. And I was probably not the best um, facilitator at the time because my attitude with Adult Protective Services was essentially, this is my aunt. We need to put her in a safe situation. Uh, And normally I'm more politically correct and I can be very nice and so forth. But with this case, being just a family member, not a professional, uh, I was insisting on the assessment. And we finally uh, were able to get her to move to my home from her choice. So it we didn't have to, I didn't have to get guardianship, which okay. I considered. I didn't have to go through the courts. Actually I was uh, her power of attorney at one point in time. Okay. But one of the family members had that changed. It was lucky that we didn't have a lot of property involved. So it was not a money issue. So I couldn't okay. be accused of taking things. Right. But finally, she came to my home, and she said she wanted to stay, and I said, okay. And I contacted Adult Protective Services, I contacted the police, I sent a certified letter to where she was living, to let everybody know, this is where she is, this is what we're doing, and this is my attorney's name.
0: Wow. So this was not like the easiest of transition no, from a legal standpoint, it right? It was not. So without going into details, so why the decision to, to send all of these letters? That's what people have to do?
1: I wanted to make sure. I knew that I would be accused of stealing her, and, and I was already the bad guy. Right. So I just wanted to be upfront and cover all of my bases. I was prepared to go to court for guardianship because being a nephew, there are other people who are in front of me. Right. And I just wanted to be upfront out loud, and be proud to be her defender and her caregiver.
0: So I think you have Mm -hmm. a very interesting um, story, right? Which we don't hear. Those stories happen, Mm -hmm. but we don't necessarily hear about those. And so you said, like, if you look back at this situation where you, you know, you see a situation, you you evaluate it, you're like, oh, this is no good. I need to bring adult protecting services. Looking back, what are, like, uh, the... The good things and the bad things that, that you saw you like what did you do well? Why did what would you do differently?
1: I definitely would do differently, uh, trying to talk with the family more. Okay. Everyone took their side. And a lot of it was because we were listening to my aunt who had different stories. And those stories now I find out are a little different based upon the time. Everybody had a little bit of fault there. But I think because I came on very hard, and other family members came on very hard, we didn't stop and take the time uh, for mediation. Got it. And I would next time ask someone, and I actually ask Adult Protective Services to do this, but that's really not their job. I needed somebody to meet with the family and for us to sit down and force us to go through the process.
0: So what I'm hearing is it sounds like it was a very emotional time. So, you know, there is some, you see this person change, you don't know what's going on, really. She's feeding lots of different stories, knowingly or unknowingly. Everybody is wandering and taking side, and then emotions-wise, it sounds like.
1: Exactly. And a little bit more history is that we also knew each other to where, um, there were pictures of her on Facebook mm-hmm. that were inappropriate. Oh. There was a, um. Group on Messenger for Facebook, where they had a conversation with her, not being aware of it. So, and I was given that information by someone else. So, I was very concerned about her safety and her neglect. Um, and it was to the point that when I actually, I actually had the police involved, and I needed to get her out of a setting. Uh, she was not allowed to speak with her friends or her family. Um, And the person who was able to go into the house uh, was not pleased with what she saw. So it was a lot of people reaching out to me to try to save her. I see. And I took that as my main priority. Well, it was probably um, one of the reasons I did that. I was received with... In fact, I could not go by the house to see her unless I did a wellness check and had a police officer with me.
0: Oh, that gets really...
1: Yes. That gets really (laughs) tricky, right? So it was... complicated to the extent that I had to be aggressive and I had to support her and at the same time support myself and not get caught into something.
0: Got it. So what I'm hearing is if people get into those situations where it gets gets really hairy, really, um, what you did well, what I'm hearing is what you did well is you took the precautions to really alert you know, whoever is in power, adult protected services, the police and so on, and be very transparent about what you were going to do next. Yes. So, and that, it sounds like that really helped you.
1: That helped me. What I would do in addition to that is I would reach out more so to the other side and I would try to use my other personality in my head right. to say, let's meet. Yes. And I actually sent a letter initially and said, let's try to do an intervention. But I really did that more so to cover the process because I knew the other people wouldn't come. But at this point, I would definitely, probably respect the situation more and not have just taking care of her as my only priority.
0: Got it, and, and that's good advice is is the lots of people involved, mm-hmm. lots of people who seem to have um, had her interest uh, at heart but from different perspective is what I'm So, you mentioned some, uh, number one, okay, like, contacting Adult Protective Services. Dumb question. Is that hard to do? Like, what do you do?
1: (laughs) Actually, that's pretty interesting. Adult Protective Services contacted me first because someone in her community had called them about her. Okay. And when Adult Protective Services called me, and of course, they're not prepared to tell you why they're calling. And who called them by policy. And so I was very defensive about why are you asking me this? The question was, when was the last time you saw her? Uh, What did you say when you were with her? And I'm thinking, are you accusing me of something? Right. So that did not go well. And when I finally spoke with other people in the neighborhood, I understood that a helpful person had called. It's just that Adult Protective Services um, could not say to me we've had a call on your aunt, and we're concerned. We want to know how you can help us with this case. That would have placed me in a completely different situation, but their approach was um, almost accusing me of doing something to her.
0: I guess because from that point of view, somebody refers something, they don't know who they're dealing with, right? right? So right. It's, it's like Child Protective Services. Exactly. So they're not giving you any information but then I can understand, and from your point of view, you're like, oh my God, you know, I'd be mean, like, yeah, am I being accused?
1: And I actually had that conversation with them later, once I received my aunt in my home. I spoke with one of the directors and said, look, you have to understand, I am just a family member concerned about my aunt. I'm not really concerned about being nice to you. I should be, right? but I would like to believe that you have the professional abilities and skills to support me and my concern, and I should not have to be supporting you and your concerns. Mm. And because I had only one concern, and there was a situation where um, one worker spoke with a neighbor and said, ah, and she said she did da-da-da-da, and she was married to da 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 laughing about it, and it turns out my aunt really had been that person, really did live in that neighborhood, and really did have that job, so here again, I'm taking offense to the extent that I actually file a complaint all the way to the State Department. But um, Adult Protective Services must do what they must do, and they have to take care of the complaint that's been filed. And I realize that, and I respect them, but they were the only people that I knew to get my aunt out of a situation that I believed was unhealthy. And when I received my aunt, I called them to say, come by and see what she's doing and how she's doing, and they spoke with her, and we had a great conversation. And that was my first face-to-face uh, contact with them. And they immediately closed the case, immediately said that my aunt was happy, and they wished us luck. And I wish in the in another world, we can start that process early.
0: So what I know of you in the conversation that we have, you're like an intelligent man, you've been in positions of leadership before, um, you are, I'm guessing, at least comfortable dealing with agencies and so on. For people who do not have, you know, your background and it's the first time they're dealing with like an agency like that, and, and like we said, you know, the agency is doing its job, but still it can be intimidating and, and strange. What would be your advice for those folks?
1: I would say contact a mediation company first Okay. Uh, some state organization, someone who can be an ombudsman for you. Okay. Because I found it very difficult, and I am skilled with dealing with that kind of group, but I was very unsuccessful in breaking through the system. Huh. And I definitely think it would be helpful, even for Adult Protective Services, to have that kind of group. Right. So just had they had a system to come out and meet with us early.
0: Or at the very least, have somebody accompany you, right? Your, exactly. I don't know, your brother in law who's going to law school or whatever, right, you know, but right. find someone is what I'm hearing.
1: Yeah, I would, I would say definitely um, use your community resources. In okay. my case, I actually was in conversation with her local pastor, her local banker, um, her, in fact, the police department, uh, the neighbor, and everyone had concerns. That's one of the reasons I was so aggressive with what I wanted to do. Because it was a community issue and a community concern, and uh, at one point in time, I was told that there was a file on me, and I was not a very nice person. Oh no! And with this being written down, anyone that I spoke with read the file, um, and another individual was told, would we'll tell him that we're we're taping him every time we talk to them, and that's all good, but it's not about me." Was my attitude right? So I would definitely say, if you're going to contact um, Adult Protective Services our Child Protective Services know their system well and know that they're going to go by their policies and see how you can see someone else before you speak with them. I would go and see my mentor, whether that's a principal, whether that is a minister um, and get that person to speak for me who may not be so involved because when you're involved um, you're not going to be rational.
0: Right. And I think that's what we're taking today. Um, Edie, that's about all the time that we yeah. have today. But what I'm hearing from you, which is like a really interesting point of view that has not been part on the podcast before, is if you're involved in a situation like this, that has you have somebody's interest in mind, but there are lots of emotion and it gets very tricky. Get somebody else to come in with you. Exactly. Like you said, the the pastor, the banker, the whoever, you know but get somebody else who has like a little bit of distance from this situation. Correct. Okay. Well, Edie, thank you so much. Um, folks, uh, today we had Edie Orham, um, who is the caregiver uh, for his aunt and who gave us just this um, brand new take on caregiving and dealing with adult protected services. Thank you so much. Thank you. As always, if you thought this podcast was helpful, or if you have friends or family who are new to caregiving, Invite them to follow the Prepare to Care podcast at iTunes, SoundCloud, or at www.aarp.org slash Houston PTC. Take our Prepare to Care podcast survey, help us improve future episodes, or find other caregiving planning and local resources to help you and your loved ones. Thanks for listening, and as always, thanks for caring.